like scary movies. Uh-huh. What's your favorite scary movie? Whatever you do, don't fall asleep. Hi, Georgie. Swallow this. Cat dead. Details later. I am the devil, and I am here to do the devil's work. Hello, good evening, hi. So tonight we're going to be talking more on the disturbing iceberg. I believe we're on tier four now, aren't we, Seyford? This yes. is episode 52, The Human Centipede 2. Um, we've actually got a guest joining us. His name is Hot Dog Zombie on Instagram, but he is also known as Gilbert. So Gilbert, hi, thank you for being here. Hi, how are you? Yeah, good, thank you. Um, more importantly, why the fuck did you want to do this episode? <laughs> why why do you uh why do you like the human centipede so much? Like the general franchise. I mean, just before we started recording, you were saying like it's disgusting and it's awful and you love it. So tell it to us. Tell us why you like this horrible little film so much. I mean, like like you said, it's just so ridiculous. Like the entire concept when it first came out and you think to yourself it's literal mouth to anus it just sounds so ridiculous and then you watch <laughs> it and they explain it to you and you're still like it's ridiculous mm-hmm. and then they do it and you're like oh my god but you stop you just can't stop looking away it's like when you see a wreck on the side of the road you just can't stop looking away <laughs> even though you're not supposed to look at it it's there but you just can't stop looking at it. So yeah, when you know you got people mouth to anus, you really just can't stop looking at that. Yeah, we actually did an episode with the horror review girl for the first Human Centipede, yeah. and we learned a lot about it. Um, considering all the connotations that were, it was actually quite a lot of affiliation to uh, World War Two and the medical experiments that were performed by Nazis. It even goes so far as have the nuances of each of the races that are depicted in the human centipede. Like there's there's this whole like metaphor and allegory about all sorts of things. Even the um the name of the doctor in the human centipede is a splice of all these other World War Two doctors. Um, we also talked about Tom Six, the director for the first one. Obviously, he has uh, involvement with all three of the films, even though they're all completely different. And uh, yeah, he he managed to get funding um, for these movies, and like the the investors didn't really know what they were for. Um, he's a very funny little Dutch man who goes around in a white suit, and I would absolutely love to talk to him one day. Um, but yeah, we we did actually dissect the human centipede one, and yeah, there was actually quite a lot to unpick from that. Whereas with the human centipede two, I I don't know. For me, I don't really feel there are any deeper connotations to this movie. I just think it's a nasty film, like a video nasty. Um, obviously, you have some fun stories to tell about the main character, though. However, which actually is interesting to me because. Because he plays such deplor- deplorable, terrible characters, I wouldn't expect him to be so pleasant in real life. I know, exactly. Like, you know, you, you see this this man on film and, you know, he's wanking it with, with <laughs> sandpaper. And you just think to yourself, well, what, what type of man would agree after reading this and prepping <laughs> for it 
to do the things that he's going to do on film, like be at the be the basic caboose of a multiple person centipede. You know, you just think to yourself, what is wrong with this man? (laughs) And, you know, you know, like uh, we were talking about earlier, you know, I got to work with him. I was a personal, uh, a PA for uh, Frankenstein Creative Bikers. And he was uh, one of the main characters in that movie. And you would think that, you know, you're meeting this man. Oh, my God. He's going to be a dirty little old man with little <laughs> grubby fingers that want to, like, touch you and all that. And no, it's the complete opposite. He was just the most consummate gentleman imaginable to think that, you know, a man doing all those things on film would just be the most polite and just the most gentle person. He has a very kind soul. And it's funny because um, my wife, she was doing makeup for that film and she got to meet him first. And I was highly disappointed because I was like, that's not fair. I like that movie more than you. I should be meeting him. So she, you know, got to talk with him a little bit. And she asked him about the wanking scene. And he was very just, um, he was he was very kind about it. And he said, basically, well, you know, it was just the wank and just brushed it off like it was nothing. So. Yeah, um, I mean. <laughs> What what can you say to that, really? Um, I mean, you know, like he just brushes he he just brushes off these disgusting scenes, like you know, it's just another scene in a film, and I'm just an actor doing these scenes. Yeah, and I I guess that's that's where he's he's fitted into Hollywood, isn't it? He's got like these cool little niche roles that nobody wants, and yeah, I, I mean, fair enough. Someone's got to do it, aren't they? Yeah, like in his latest role, he, he's working into a chicken. <laughs> It's like, mm-hmm. oh, okay. Takes all sorts, I guess. I mean, I guess if, if you have if you have something good to do and show the people what you can do, even if it's something disgusting, you, you do it. And that's what he does. He does the disgusting roles, apparently. So generally, like, do you you like the whole human centipede franchise? I wouldn't say the whole franchise because the third mm-hmm. one the third one to me was the most disappointing out of all of them yeah totally it, it i just, agree with you on that like That's you know you one could, i've not seen oh no but i mean <laughs> I, w- I would say watch it just to complete the trilogy for you yeah but if, if you were just a random person that was looking for something to watch i would never recommend human send a p3 like just now mm it's boring um it doesn't hold any of the substance of the the first two like it doesn't really stick in memory other than it being the third that's it you know it, well, it doesn't... all relatively separate out because like the first it... one's itself and then the first one is a, its own film in the second one and then the third one i know is essentially a separate universe yeah there is a bit of meta going on for sure um but yeah the the third one's got nothing to do with the first or second yeah you're right it's kind of like a like a big hollywood bastardized version of the first one like it's not i don't know who kept on giving him money to make these films same to be honest with you (laughs) because after the first one came out i was like oh yeah we're gonna do human centipede two and three rich people with too much money and not a lot of sense you know well, maybe I had something to do with that because I'm the one that actually bought the films. So I kind of helped nah. them. But... <laughs> I, I have the first two in the still book. See, there you go. Did, you, did you, ha- you 
it's because you have everything in a still book. Just shut up. You pay. You pay for all movies. <laughs> it was cheap and it was on eBay. I was like, ah, fuck it. I'll pick it up. Of course, it was cheap. You slut. Anyway, <laughs> um, I am so a yeah, he he absolutely is. Like any any crap I have, I can send it to him and he'll he'll just take it. <laughs> so so yeah. Um. So what is it then? Like obviously, I know that you you really like that guy, but like, what is it particularly about this one? About the human centipede too. It's mm-hmm. you know, it's it's just so ridiculous. And they even <laughs> tell they even tell you in the tagline, you know, a hundred percent medically inaccurate. And mm-hmm. it is so inaccurate, like there is so much just going on where you're just like, No, no, that's not possible. But you see them doing it, and it just it's just like a bonkers movie that just cannot be taken seriously. And I think that's why. I enjoy it so much because the first one, it just seems like it was so beautifully done. You know, mm-hmm. they, they met the medical terminology and like you brought up, you know, the the secret uh, super race that Hitler wanted to have come to life. You know, that was sprinkled mm-hmm. in there a little bit. And it just seemed so elegantly done, even though it was just a nasty, deplorable concept with people shitting in each mm-hmm. other's mouths. But it was mm-hmm. still beautifully done. And then you have the stepchild in Human Centipede 2. And it's just the complete opposite of this Mm. beautiful movie. It just looks like somebody just took this poor movie and dragged it in the garbage and presented it to you. And was like, look, we're going to have this guy staple mouths to asses. And he's going to fuck it. Like, (laughs) I I don't know. Like, for, for me, that it's just always a film that really can't take itself too seriously kind of uh resonates with me a little bit you know yeah i i think aesthetically it's it's very ugly it's a very ugly looking it's, film um there's there's, it, there's a... it's in it's in a black and white right it's black and yeah. white film yeah i think and... you can find a color version of it but it it loses the like weirdness to it really is right yeah are you sure about that it loses its weirdness <laughs> like, it's not as, not as creepy without the black and white <laughs> I mean, yeah, I I don't know. I don't know about that. Maybe loses a bit of its atmosphere. Yeah. Maybe. Um, yeah, you know. I, I think it kind of loses its grit a little bit because it, when it's in black and white, it's gritty because all the blood, it's not red. It's just black. So it just makes it look even worse. And if you kind of mm. colorize that, then you're just like, oh, great. I get to see, you know, blood of a certain color that I always see but when it's like in black and white that blood is like black and it just looks even more disgusting on top of a disgusting film as a as a general perception like what are you guys thoughts as to why it was shot in black and white I have my own theory about it I don't know if it's correct but I just wondered what why do you think so um you know that that's a really good question and I think <laughs> I think you know I think it's it's just to maybe add add like I said that little extra grit to it because if it's mm. in black and white it doesn't seem like there was a whole lot put into it like look this guy you know he's he's making a homemade centipede with staple guns and duct tape and you can't even afford film to film this I mean he can't afford color to even film this in color so it kind of adds to like 
generic way he's making the centipede as opposed to like the first film like I said where it's like all elegantly done mm. and he has the proper medical tools he has the anesthesia he does it like an actual operation whereas opposed to this man in black and white is basically going to family dollar picking mm. up supplies and saying I'm stapling you all together ask the mouth deal with it so totally cheaping it like like, make it more cheap make yeah. it more cheap yeah that's a good one i like that zephyr what do you think um i don't know i feel like it was more of a deliberate choice i don't know if it was necessarily a, um, a money thing okay what, what's your reason and, and maybe just to add the greatness because i feel like a lot hmm. of films back then doing the torch pawn type stuff were all in color so this is somewhat different at least hmm See, my reasoning was kind of, and honestly, I don't know if this is fact or not. I don't. I haven't read any articles in regards to this, but my opinion is because most of the movie is set in a car park, it just gives me CCTV vibes. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I, I, a lot of the CCTV that we see these days is still in black and white, and it just kind of reminded me of that. So, don't know. Don't know, I don't know if there's any pertinence to that or whatever, but to me, I felt like there was a little bit of a connection between the fact that most of it was set in a grainy, nasty little car park. And yeah, I, I think it's it's a good choice to do that. And I, I think uh, I think it, like you said, adding to the grittiness to it, adding to the cheapening to it, adding to the setting of it. I think there's like a multitude of reasons why it was shot in black and white. Um I'm sure Tom Six isn't going to sit there and explain to us, like perhaps Kevin Smith would, as to why he put it in black and white. But there we go. Tom Six doesn't really owe an explanation to anybody, apparently, not even his funders. So. <laughs> I feel <laughs> like really he, does. he should, though. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it did not do well in the box office. 142. Are you surprised? No. Of course not. <laughs> uh, $142,000 uh, grossed. Um, 88 minutes running time. Interestingly, there is a 91-minute unrated director's cut. Uh, does anybody know what those additional three minutes are? Uh, basically, it's just all, some of the gore stuff is added back in. Because mm. like, I the... watched the one that was on Amazon Prime earlier, <laughs> and it, that, it missed out be, like the... I was... I was going to say that would be the BBFC cut, wouldn't it? So yeah. appara apparently that's 84 minutes. So there's actually seven minutes cut out of that. Yeah, there's um because in the version I watched today, it was they cut out the, the baby getting squished by the uh, pedal. Oh, how interesting. I wonder how we were able to see that in the first place then. Not a clue. We must have. Hmm. Like, I definitely saw that I, the first time I watched uh, it. Yeah, me too. Me too. So I wonder. I wonder what that's about. Um, yeah, Gilbert, have you seen the unrated version? You seen the full version in all its glory? Uh, I I think I have the unrated version sitting on my shelf. I haven't mm. watched I haven't watched that in the in a very long time because after you watch it, you kind of need a palate cleanser. So you probably watch something very cute <laughs> with puppy yeah, dogs. Totally. <laughs> you know, you need something. You need to watch something with puppy dogs or kitten cats after watching something so deplorable. So I haven't really like watched it in a quite a while. It just hasn't fallen back into my rotation with probably good reason, I guess. Mm. Generally, what do you think of body horror? Do you, do you is that something that you enjoy? I mean, 
you know, when it's done right, it's mm. amazing. But sometimes you feel that people kind of just use that as a crutch and it's more, you know, body gore. And then we have a story as opposed there's a story and there's a reason why we have this body gore. Mm. And, you know, sometimes it just, you know, it doesn't make sense to have that much body gore or unnecessary body gore if it just doesn't fit into the storyline if it's something that doesn't progress the story arc or character development and it's just like there unless like that's the tone of the movie and it's just meant mm. to be completely ridiculous sometimes it, it works and it adds impact to a movie like human centipede 2 where it obviously it's going to be gory because you know this guy's using like i said staple guns duct tape what have you to you know mutilate these people so it makes sense because he's so obsessed with this movie that he just takes it way out of the realms of reality and decides to act on his little weird fetishes mm. so you know it's it's you already know it's going to go that route but you just didn't expect it to be what it was when you watched it so it makes sense for the human centipede 2 to have that kind of gore but if mm. it's just like, you know, somebody's just like, yeah, I just want to splatter people and fuck them up and have blood everywhere. Then it's just <laughs> like, it's just like, well, I'm not going to pay the money or take the time out of my life to watch your fetish of blood if there's no mm. thing behind it. Give Absolutely. me a reason to watch it, you know? Yeah, yeah. I think I think Gohors, um, yeah, it's 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 difficult for me because I, I do love a gory movie from time to time, but I, I do think sometimes it's a little bit excessive, it's unnecessary, like what is the point, you know? Um one of my favorite movies actually Torso. I really love that Sasha movie because there's a story behind it. Um I think I think it's important to have these subgenres of Sasha and as you say body horror there needs to be a point to it otherwise it's just like what the fuck am I watching and why the fuck am I watching it um it it there isn't a there isn't a point to just watching a bunch of shit on on in front of you there has to be a reason and I think the further that we've gone down the line with these uh with the disturbing iceberg the less of a point any of it has had um, I've recently gotten hold of uh, these movies, um, Slaughter Vomit Dolls, um, August Underground. Uh, yeah, uh, there's this other one that I'm currently watching called The Golden Glove. And it's just like it becomes less and less about story and more about being viscerally shocking. And it's it is it gets to a point where it's like, but what why what is the point of this? Like, what did I take away from it? And it stops being entertainment to just snuff. And we can't, you know, where do we draw the line um, as horror enthusiasts? When does it stop becoming enjoyable, you know? And for me, this movie, like that, it drew the line for me. It wasn't so much that I thought it was um, upsetting. I just kind of thought like, who is this for? Who is this catered to? Um, obviously you and I don't see eye to eye on that. You you think like it's it, you enjoyed it. Whereas for me, I was kind of like, what's the point of this? Like, what am I doing? Like, <laughs> you know, why am I why am I watching this? Like this is just this is just some guy's fever dream of of mutilating people and it's it's I am I'm not interested. Um obviously I, I I take from the fact that he was obsessed with the first movie and I, I like that there's a little bit of a story behind that and all that, but obviously because the character is so underdeveloped, like you don't really you don't really feel him as a character you kind of just see him 
as he is and then he does this shit and there just doesn't really seem to be a deep or meaningful attribute to any of it it's just awful but then yeah i guess i guess uh i guess aesthetically like you like you say like you, you enjoyed like the way it looked you enjoyed like the the cheapness of it the sleazeness of it like the, the nastiness of it and I guess it was effective for you but for me definitely not and um, I can be very hit and miss with uh body horror generally as Zayford well knows um what what did you actually think about men have you seen that movie no I have not seen men actually it's on my list and I just have not watched it yet so it's a pretty controversial body horror movie. Um, don't want to spoil too much for you, but it definitely tore audiences. Um, yeah, it was it was one of those movies that was like it was such a good movie, and then the ending kind of ruined it. <laughs> that that was definitely taking body horror to excess. So I think if you're interested in body horror having a story to it, uh, watch it and then be slightly annoyed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, you know, the body horror only comes in in the last twenty minutes. Yeah, but it's excessive. Like it literally had people walking out of the cinema. I have never had. I've, ne- I've never. I've watched so many movies at the cinema, um, and I've never had. I've never seen anyone walk out of the cinema. Not even when I wanted to. When I watched Crimes of the Future, but that's a different story. Yeah, that's just um, because that was a shit film. It was proper. Did Did you see that, Gilbert? <laughs> no, I have not. I have not oh seen it either. You are don't, don't not missing out on much. Yeah, you are not missing much. That's another. <laughs> that's another body horror. That's just. There's a story, but it's not a very good story. Well, see, you um, telling me that makes me want to watch it now because now I want to know just how ridiculous this movie really is. What about Infinity Pool? Have you managed to catch that yet? Because we're not actually getting that until is when is it? Zayfid, is it the end of the month for us, or is it next it's month? Either, it's either end of this month or sometime in March, I think. Have so you had not- a chance? No, I haven't, but I did catch um uh, the trailer for it because I was kind of curious mm. about it. And mm. it seems like a very interesting concept to me. It seems kind of original and it has that uh Mia Goff uh actress oh, in love it. Her. Love I know her so she's much. she just seems completely unhinged and it seems like the perfect <laughs> kind of role for her. And she has the the gentleman that played um Pennywise who mm. was also in have you watched uh, uh barbarian i believe it yes, was yes of course yes. yes so that was that was a journey in itself mm-hmm. <laughs> so you know you have the two of them and i feel they have really good chemistry and i think it's going to be a really good movie i'm waiting for it to be a little bit cheaper out here in the states i normally get my movies off the red box it's a little kiosk with movies mm. inside of it so oh. Yeah, so it's like a buck twenty-five, and you just go there, you just get the movie for a night, charge you by night, take it back the next day. So oh, that's nice normally, one. yeah, that's how I, that's how I get my smut. Cool. <laughs> yeah, uh, we used to have a yeah, our blockbusters don't really exist anymore. I know. Yeah, you're I was going to say there was some places that rented films and stuff, but the main one was Blockbuster, wasn't it? I think we did. We used to have like vending machines like that, didn't we? Way yeah, Netflix. Back. Netflix used to do that. Yeah, that was about we, it. we don't we don't have anything like that. It would be cool if we actually did, but yeah, no, we're all about streaming over here. Which honestly, I feel like I find myself having to rent things all the time, so I, yeah. I don't really know why I'm paying for so many streaming sites because yeah, I end up paying loads. But yeah, Infinity Pool looks great, and it's interesting you're talking about Barbarian because uh, yeah, there, there's a lot to be said about Barbarian in terms of like storytelling, like 
there's a lot of showing in that movie you know like there's a lot of like backdrops and scenes that we're like looking at that isn't explained to us overtly whereas in the in human centipede 2 there is a lot of telling you know there's a lot of like direct action and not a lot of showing like we don't get to understand the perception of this man or why this man's doing what he is so you take something like barbarian that has fantastic storytelling in the sense that you are literally engulfed in this deplorable conditions where in your your mind is racing to a million different places especially when uh you see justin long's character see the bed with the video camera and then (laughs) we, we go over and we see this man in um decrepit and bad and there's all these videotapes all these women's names on it we never see what's on those tapes but we imagine it right um right the, the same thing with the the bedroom where there's just piles of clothes all over the floor and a breastfeeding video we never see what's happened to the, you know who are those clothes belong to do they belong to her babies do they belong to people they've kidnapped do they belong to people they've eaten do they belong to people that have been raped like, we don't know all we can see is is this and it just pre- right. pre- it presents us with this amazing like way to make the mind wander and it sticks in your mind whereas with this it's just very like this man went to a car park he stapled some people together well he was working the car park he was the employee he was very frustrated with his job and he was just sexually repressed and he just burst with people okay. you know i always felt like with him I don't know necessarily if Tom Six had any uh, metaphorical reason to make the the story the way it was, mm-hmm. but I always viewed it as a obsessed fan is just mm-hmm. so enamored with this ridiculous plot, and he's gets some weird sexual satisfaction from watching this film that it becomes his obsession. Like he has a scrapbook of all the stills of a centipede of all the. The, the the articles about the movie and I think it just consumes his mind and he doesn't have anybody to keep him on the rails as far mm-hmm. as like reality goes because as far as I know he's a mama's boy and mm-hmm. I don't I, I you know he's one of the you know like a, a Norman Bates type of mama's boy and, <laughs> and you know he doesn't have his mama to be like hello Martin you cannot put your in that <laughs> centipede don't dig down the centipede Martin. <laughs> so he doesn't have his mama to tell him this so mm-hmm. he's just this obsessed fan with this ridiculous film and he just doesn't have the intelligence to pull off what the doctor pulled off in the first movie so that's why he just crudely does it the only way he knows how is with box cutters and duct tape and staples and his dick so he's just <laughs> It's just so just cheaply done because I just feel like he's just not right mentally. And he found something that gave him that weird sexual fetish feeling. And he just wants to just, you know, make that dream come true. And he fucking did. You know what, Gilbert? You you gave character development a lot better than I, you know, you took away stuff from this movie a lot better than I did. (laughs) (laughs) It's a child. It's a, it's, yeah, I, I mean, it, it's a good thing that you can do that. I guess to me, I just wasn't invested in it. So <laughs> apparently, so I'm that... a little invested in this. Oh no, but it's good. It's do you have a, a good thing. As well? It's a yeah. Do you, do you <laughs> no. have a little good? I'm, I'm no, that. I just got the the dusty DVD sitting on my shelf. That's all I got. 
It's no, all about I... perception, isn't it? I think like we can we all take different things away from different films, don't we? So the fact that you were able to to piece that together and you know savor the character development speaks to how much this movie actually like how much you enjoyed it. I guess because I wasn't really invested in it, I was like, well, I'm not gonna really. <laughs> I'm not really going to look for the depth in this character because I don't really like it, you know, so. Well, like back when these movies were coming out, uh, I had a buddy of mine. I don't talk too much anymore, <laughs> but we would, uh, you know, grab grab some beer and, you know, get some weed. And we would just find the most ridiculous movies to watch, horror movies. And every Saturday night, we would find a horror movie to watch. And originally, it was The Human Centipede. You know, we had a few drinks, watched The Human Centipede, and we loved it. And then later on down the line, you know, we were getting Fangoria. I had a subscription for it and saw the advertisement for A Human Centipede 2, 100% medically inaccurate. And I was like, this has to be the most horrible thing possible let's watch it so <laughs> when it came out on dvd or I, I i forget how actually i got my hands on the copy uh went up there and had a few beers and watched this ridiculous man do these ridiculous things and it, it just felt like a good movie to watch when you just want to fuck around and not really watch anything you know <laughs> Yeah, it's one, so it's, it's one of those films that you you show other people to see their reaction as well. Exactly, exactly. So now, when I watch this movie back in 2010 or 11, whenever it came out, that's my go-to when I'm like, "Hey, you want to watch something tonight?" And they're like, "Yeah, what you got?" I'm like, <laughs> "A Human Centipede 2. Let's watch it." And unfortunately, Ooh. my my poor wife, bless her heart, I I had to show her the first movie, and she loved it. She absolutely <laughs> loved it because she's like me. She she loves this ridiculous movies and then i was like hey baby what you want to do saturday night you want to watch a human centipede 2 and we watched it she's like gilbert what the fuck was that and i was just <laughs> like i'm sorry she liked it actually because she appreciates the uh ridiculousness that was because it's not meant to be taken seriously you know it's just one of those movies you want to show somebody and have a good time with and just be like you want to watch, watch something incredibly stupid but it's still well done at least yeah I mean, I didn't think it was well done. But... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I, it it looks like it was budgeted, at least. You know, it looked like it had some dollars behind it, even though the, mm. the story is ridiculous as all hell, you know? Mm. Yeah, so, uh, critically panned, much criticism focused on its acting, plot, and violence, although Harvey's performance received some praise, which I think we can all agree that he's he's very good at the roles he, that he takes on, so. This is very true. He's he, he he's he's a, a a master of his craft and you know when you give him a concept and he accepts it i feel that's kind of like a privilege to have this gentleman that can be doing actual good not necessarily good movies but he can do movies like better like he can be in in a in a mainstream movie and types of stuff like that but he chooses to just do deplorable things on film and i compliment him for that Okay, so I I've just been reading some really I don't know where why I, I don't know if I've blocked this out of my brain or what, but there is quite a bit of backstory, interestingly, to this. Um so yeah, short, obese, asthmatic, and mentally challenged, Martin lives in an unkempt council flat with his emotionally abusive mother who blames him for having his father put in prison for physically, psychologically, and sexually abusing Martin when he was a boy. 
Dr. Sibring, Martin's psychiatrist, touches him inappropriately and prescribes him heavy medication. Martin keeps a pet centipede. In an appointment <laughs> with Dr. Sibring at home, Mrs. Lomax talks about her son's unsettling discussion about creating a 12-person centipede. Dr. Sabring says that Martin's obsession with a 12-person centipede and centipedes in general is a phase, relating the pain of a centipede's bite and phallic shape to the sexual abuse he endured at the hands of his father. So basically what he thinks is a big penis, it's like a whole site, I don't know. That 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 doctor sounds like an asshole. Um, well, he gets what he gets, doesn't he, so... Mr. Slomax remains resentful, remains resentful and apathetic towards Martin. Martin acquires a dingy warehouse after killing the owner and lesser and begins abducting people to use for a 12-person human centipede. His victims include, but are not limited to, Ian, an aggressive young man, and his girlfriend, Kim, who Martin is attracted to, Alan, a businessman, Tim, a rich man, and his pregnant wife, Rachel, Valerie and Carrie, two drunk girls who catch Martin masturbating with sandpaper, and a man named Greg. We don't know who Greg is. Greg's the one from upstairs. Ah, yes. From the flat above. Martin's mother finds and destroys the scrapbook in disgust after unsuccessfully attempting a murder-suicide. When Mrs. Lomax attempts to dispose of the centipede, Martin kills her by bludgeoning her head with a crowbar. He then lures his detested neighbour, Dick, to the scene before shooting him oh. and kidnapping him. Maybe Dick's, Dick's the one from upstairs then. Hmm. Back at the toll booth, Martin catches on one of the CCTV security cameras Dr. Sebring and a cabbie named Paul having sex with a prostitute named Candy. Beautiful name. Martin kills Sebring in a fit of rage and abducts both Paul and Candy. Martin's final victim is Ashton Yenny, the actress who played Jenny in The Human Centipede, whom Martin lures under false pretenses of being Quentin Tarantino's casting agent. (laughs) Yeah, they did name drop Tarantino quite a bit. Yeah. Martin assembles his centipede following his notes and sketches from the human centipede. Martin severs the ligaments in each person's knees to prevent them from fleeing. I thought that was awful. And uses a hammer to knock out their teeth. Yeah, that's awful too. However, Martin cuts into the buttocks of Alan too deeply, causing him to bleed to death. And instead of surgical stools, tools, stools, <laughs> tools, he uses the staple gun and duct tape to attach each person's to the next person's buttocks. During the assembly, Rachel, who was planned to be the front of the centipede in sympathy for her pregnancy, is presumed dead. Martin places her in the corner. Martin's human centipede is ultimately ten people long, with Ashlyn in front. Yes, Martin experiments by having his centipede walk around and force feeds Ashling chili using the funnel and tube when she refuses to eat from the dog bowl. Disturbed by Ashling's screams, he tears her tongue out with pliers. He injects each victim with laxative, forcing them to evacuate their bowels into the mouth of the person behind them. He wraps his genitals in barbed wire and rapes him who is at the back of the centipede. Rachel awakens and runs outside screaming in labour. She leaps into a victim's car and bears her second child. When Martin pursues her, she stomps on the accelerator, accidentally crushing her baby's skull in the process and drives away. I think that is the one scene that sticks in my head the most. Yeah. Um, that that's the most that's the that's the one scene that really bothered me in this scene in, in the movie. 
you know what's so crazy about it is that it was so brief it was really really brief it was maybe half a second a second worth of footage just enough for you to see the baby's head get squished and I believe that was uh one of the points where we were like wow type yeah when you're watching because you're like okay you watched the baby's skull get crushed congratulations have, have you seen um a Serbian film yes yes I have actually yeah I, I think um obviously the uh newborn porn is, yeah that is, was uh, i think that's, level. that's yeah that's that's another thing that sticks in people's minds um i think when it involves small children babies that's when it really starts to get to people um there's like a barrier in horror isn't there where we kind of become detached from the girl next door or a teenager or whatever being killed but when there's a child, um, torture, murder, rape, that is a lot more disturbing, isn't it? Particularly when it's done in such a grotesque and disgusting way. Um, I mean, there's, there isn't any way to make rape less disgusting, but I think seeing it perpetrated against such a, you know, yeah, it's just, it's awful. Um, it, it reminds me a lot of my time on subreddits and, other forums I found myself frequenting when I was a lot younger um you know I was I was constantly always looking for disturbing content I used to go on Vescore a lot I cannot even tell you the amount of dead children people uh crime scenes I've seen I'm not really sure what I was doing on those websites that's such a, like I was like literally like 17 18 years old and Can for some you? reason I don't know because I wasn't really it wasn't so much of a big like social aspect for me you know I wasn't really participating so much as like telling my friends that I was there either um it just I suppose it was just like a mm, I wouldn't say morbid fascination because I definitely felt deeply um it, it, it was it was upsetting to see that these things were going on in the world particularly Brazil I didn't realize how uh, violent Brazil actually was and how many people die there every day and it, it's literally a dime a dozen to see you know dozens of dead people like pictures just put on the internet in Brazil um I, you know I, I don't know why these sites were so popular and why people would visit them I can't give you a straight answer to it myself but I think one of the things that really made me question whether I wanted to continue viewing content like that is when uh, there was an overlap lack of uh, pedophilic content and obviously I'm not saying that I saw pedophilic content because that's not what I'm saying what I'm saying is that um, there are just some parts of people that enjoy that kind of stimulation in their mind where you know where they they are looking at extreme things that they then start looking at things like that and I was just like, I'm not interested in this, literally. And I just, I stopped go, I stopped visiting these websites because I was looking at the uh, the comments, and I just started to realize that there were just people that I didn't want to, didn't want to be involved with, and yeah, just some of the subreddits and things that I've read over the years talking about like the most disturbing things people have ever seen online, and there are just things that are so terrible that I've read, not seen, but read that are just so. Ugh. Like, as a parent, like, I cannot believe these things happen in the real world, you know? Um, to take this main character and, you know, I know that we, we're not really, we're not really uh, 
talking about it as if it's real life and Martin is somewhat of a of a, a quirky weird little character but there there are people in the world that would do things like this as sad as it is to say and they would be remorseless about it too so yeah yeah it, there's a it, there's a bit of reality you know to Martin in a way like you were saying like some people they they just don't they're not born with the winning hand sometimes and it feels like they were just born under a black cloud and from birth they're just constantly being shat on and shat on by life mm. by their parents by you know relatives molested by their uncle and it's just like they just cannot fucking win and mm. you know some people it i guess it's just the person some people you know they 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 follow through with going through life not letting it bother them they don't let it cripple their development as a human and then there's just some people that you know, it just affects them to the point where they just cannot go on and they turn into a Martin sometimes. And it, it's 100%, you know, accurate to say that somebody would be, would develop like a Martin and would act on these little sick uh, fantasies that they have. And, you know, they don't have nobody to tell them, you know, you can't do that because the people that tell them, that are supposed to tell them they can't do that are the ones doing it to them. So there's even mm. more of an acceptance in this, you know, cripple-minded person that, oh, it must be okay because it happened to me and nobody mm. stopped them. So mm. I should be able to do it and nothing will happen to me type deal, you know? Mm. I think there's a lot to be said, um, like the exposure of, you know, being exposed to sexual abuse, physical abuse at such a young age, particularly by direct caregivers like parents, um, yeah, that, that definitely leaves an impression on some people. Not all people go on to do what Martin did, obviously. obviously you know. uh, yeah, but yeah, I, I think that, you know, I think there's, there is a lot to be said about that. I, I think that, um, that, you know, I think I think you're right. I think that we we all have the, the the burden of choice whether we want to be a monster or whether we don't be want to be and I, I think sometimes it's a conscious choice and sometimes it's not a conscious choice and I it's, it's interesting because when you were speaking about that just now it, it did make me think like because I was kind of questioning like as I was talking about um being on those subreddits and going on best call and things like that like what where, where was it there and a huge part of it I really do believe is because I was abused and um I was very socially isolated so, you you know, I don't think that people who do these kinds of things are often completely fine. You know, there's usually something that happened to trigger these things. Um, and Martin, bless him. I feel terrible for uh, not appreciating his little backstory. Had, uh, <laughs> had a hell of a lot of things going on. I honestly, I don't know. I don't know why I blocked it out. I don't, <laughs> I don't no. know. Is it? Even though I've painted him as a sympathetic uh, figure, keep in mind he still did deplorable, deplorable things. No, no, I don't, I don't, I, no, no, I don't see him as a martyr. Definitely not. But I, I, <laughs> okay. I, I, I felt, I felt that his backstory was, yeah, uh, it, it has some, it has some sort of significance to the plot now. You know, I, I can definitely appreciate it a little bit better. I've got to be honest with you; it's been such a long time since I've seen this movie that the, the stick out parts for me. Um, 
uh, and what I fixated on and I suppose didn't really want to think about Martin ever again because he's such a horrible <laughs> character. Um, I'm actually looking, watching um, another movie at the moment called The Golden Glove and it's it's a similar sort of character to Martin but it's a German film and it's it's basically just following the day in the life of a serial killer and he's just absolutely terrible. I mean, the the first... Within the first 20 minutes, we see him dismember a body, um, sodomise somebody with a sausage, and, <laughs> and, and, and it's disgusting, um, beat up an old lady, make her suck his dick. Um, it's just, that's like in the first 20 minutes. And it's, uh, oh, and, she, and then the, the woman that he sodomises with a sausage, he gets her to make him a Sunday lunch. So, yeah. With the sausage? Was it with the sausage? <laughs> no actually <laughs> funnily enough so he actually sticks the sausage up her bum and then um he leaves it up there and then pulls out the other half of it and says you can have the rest and then he eats the other half of the sausage and just leaves the sausage um, <laughs> it's not funny it's really sad i feel really bad for this woman i'm, I'm breaking up <laughs> over here um just so sad <laughs> <laughs> but yeah um yeah so yeah, it's uh, I don't feel sorry for him much like I don't feel sorry for him. Even if they came from shit, they don't need to treat other people like shit, do they? But, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Sometimes that's just not how it happens, though. No. He didn't have a mum to tell him, "No, you cannot stick that sausage up another woman's anus. Don't do it." Just like Martin. What? Just like Martin doesn't have somebody to tell him not to put his willy in the back of a centipede. Well, his his mum is just very rejecting of the whole idea of actually being a semi decent parent, isn't she? Um, this is true. This is true. I, I I think like you know a little bit of empathy could have gone a long way should they have decided to actually support their son rather than killing their pet. Yeah, that that you know when you you see your child enjoy something even though it's incredibly disgusting and that that centipede was not really hurting anybody martin took care of it which is weird because you see him you know do all these horrible things and you know it takes a type of person to maintain a pet regardless of what type of pet it is especially if it's in a cage whether it be a centipede or a hamster or a snake or what have you, you you got to have some type of empathy to be able to let it maintain life as long as it does. And Martin, you know, in the beginning of the film, he feeds the centipede and he coos at it, even though it's a completely wretched looking creature. He, you know, he, he coos it and he babies it. And you can tell that Martin has some type of, of, of thing in his head where it, he knows the value of life and he knows how to take care of something so mm. it's even worse when you see him doing these things to humans maybe he just doesn't like humans like some people do and cares more about the animals than he does you know humans maybe he's pro PETA I mean I don't know well, yeah. I don't think I don't think Peter would uh, appreciate the Peter's an animal and Peter is for animals so I'm holding them to their word yeah, I don't think they'll appreciate it going up his ass. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> Interestingly, Six was inspired to make the movie a metafilm after reporters kept asking him if he was worried about people committing copycat crimes inspired by the first film. Although he had previously considered the concept for a possible sequel, the question cemented his idea. So, 
he he yeah. basically did this to say yeah this is what would happen if somebody actually took my fucking film and did it in real life do you want to do it do you do you? yeah <laughs> I don't know, there's, there's probably someone that was like oh damn they beat me to it yeah like, there's, there's no point like literally <laughs> I know it kind of kind of ruin ruins it for another deplorable human when they're like, oh yeah, I'm gonna do this centipede and I'm gonna do it better than Mr. Six did, and it's gonna be twelve feet long or twelve people long, mm-hmm. and then you know he puts this film out and he's like, well, try it with your basic uh tools you have at the house and see how well it's gonna work out. And as you see for Martin, even though he he kind of succeeded in connecting the people. They were basically just shitting each other's mouths. There was no no reason yeah. for it other than they they were just they had perfectly working uh, stomachs. They weren't attached to each other through one sequence of stomach the way the first one was. They were just shitting mm. each other's mouths. That's all it was. It was a shit film. Yeah, <laughs> literally bloods everywhere. According to Six, he intentionally made full sequence very different from first sequence for two reasons. First, when he was writing the script of first sequence, he knew people would want more blood and shit than is shown. Second, <laughs> that, that's a direct quote from Six. Uh, second, the two parts reflect the different characters. The coloured first sequence with a slow-moving camera fit the story of Dr. Heiter, while Martin Lomax's character required a dark and dirty film. So I think you got it there, Gilbert. Mm-hmm. You're right. Six shot full sequence in colour, but was always thinking about black and white and realised while editing that it was much scarier that way. It was also Six's idea to have little dialogue in the film's second half, except for moans, screams, and whimpers. Which, you know, I think is very effective. I, you know, I, I, think, I think when we have to listen to people in pain, it, it's, it's a completely, like, different movie and off-the-wall way far away from this. But we actually did uh, Jaws last year, and uh, I've never seen it before. And to know that the screams were real, um, that those are some of the most terrifying screams I've ever heard in my life. And actually being able to hear real terror is what made that movie so scary. Like, I would never have thought Jaws was even scary, but because of how realistic those screams were, I was like, oh my God, it's fucking... And I, right. think, I think listening to like people crying and whimpering and screaming... Um, it leaves a lot to the imagination of like what's going through that person's mind rather than lots and lots of dialogue. So yeah, I think I think I think yeah, it, it's really interesting how he wanted it to be in complete contrast. And I think the fact that you've taken it like it being such an aesthetically, you know, even though it's fucking gross, first film and then making it so ugly is uh, it makes sense that he did that. Right, like uh. There's there's a reality to hearing somebody screams and terror like you know you you never really anticipate hearing it and when you hear mm. it it just triggers this type of emotion in you where it's like mm. real and if you're an empathetic person you know it hurts you or you want to help that person mm. so you know when we watch these films and you know regardless of the amount of blood or body gore you put on the film. Um, the screams and the moans are done by by an actor and they're just acting like they're afraid. And it's really hard to replicate real fear. So when you're like hearing somebody scream on film and you know, you know it's just them screaming because they're being told to scream because that's what they're paid to do, mm-hmm. as opposed to like you say, Jaws, and you hear actual human screams that are from actual fear, 
it, it, it brings a whole new level of emotion to the thing. So with with Human Centipede 2, like, you know, uh, Mr. Six said, you can tone down the dialogue and just have these people just because when you hear somebody moaning in, in fear or in pain, you know, there's there there's a genuine uh, feel behind that. And that they're actually feeling some pain and just constantly moaning, groaning, or whimpering or crying. And if that's all you hear for a good stretch of five minutes, besides them pleading for their lives, it kind of brings another type of emotion to a shitty little film like Cune of Centipede 2. And considering Martin, uh, I believe he, he's a bit of a mute in this mm -hmm. film. He doesn't mm -hmm. say anything, I think, at all. I don't think he has any lines. Mm. No, you just hear him laughing a couple of times, and that's about as far as it goes. Mm. And he and he does a, a weird guttural type of moan scream when he doesn't get his way. I believe, kind of mm. like a child. You know, mm -hmm. I never never thought about the fact that he doesn't have any dialogue in this film. He's just a very mute man with very very you know, absurd fetishes. You know. Mm. Yeah. Um... What what do you, do you guys play a lot of atmospheric horror games like uh Silent Hill things like that? I've done, but uh, not for a while. I haven't mm. played Silent. I've uh, believe the last what would be considered horror um game I played was uh the Last <clears throat> of Us. The Last of Us Two. Uh, mm. I played that I was, last summer. I, yeah. I was just thinking about like when you're walking through the halls and you know the different places in Silent Hill and you do hear the the crying from afar. Um, the moaning, the pain. Uh, it's one of the reasons why I can't play those games on my own. <laughs> I, right, uh, they're, they're a little triggering. They're a little triggering. Yeah, and that's they why they are. put them in there. Absolutely, yeah. And it, yeah, it's, ooh, yeah. Um, the film has a rating of 29% at Rotten Tomatoes, uh, based on 82 reviews, with a weighted average of 3.28 out of 10. The site's consensus reads, The Human Centipede 2 attempts to weave in a social commentary, but as the movie wears on, it loses its ability to repulse and shock and ends up being obnoxious and annoying. At Metacritic, it rates 17 out of 100, indicating overwhelming dislike. Uh, giving it a score of 7 out of 10, however, bloody disgusting writer Brad Miskus said the film was a brilliant response to critics of his first film. It makes a strong statement that it's just a movie and that people take his work way too seriously, while also implementing a unique concept. He found it an intensely engaging and absolutely hilarious meta experience that gets its point across with flying colours. I think the aspect that he actually uh, did this to, as, as a way of telling his critics, like, haha, about there being a, a copycat crime is definitely the standout fact that I take away from this. And, uh, yeah, to to know that he didn't take himself too seriously while making this definitely makes me uh respect it a little bit more because <laughs> uh it was it was hard for me to to take it seriously but I suppose with him doing the whole meta satirical lens towards it 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 does it does make me think it makes me a bit softer towards it. I mean it 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 would it would make sense because um. I, I off the top of my head, I don't know of any uh horror movie copycat crimes that have happened. I'm sure they've happened. I mean, there's times. one inspired by a uh, scream. Oh yeah, see, see, there's so one. you know, I mean, it, it's it's kind of absurd to think that somebody would look at a human centipede and look at all the the medical know-how that went into it and think to themselves, you know what, I can do that. 
And you know, there's, there's definitely someone on this planet who thought that. Oh, 100%. <laughs> and then the, the second one came out, and it was like, oh, never mind then. <laughs> oh, rats! Like, yeah. So there you go. I guess his little his little PSA worked, where you know somebody's just like, you know what, I can do that. I can build my centipede. And then here comes Mr. Lawrence Harvey, and you know, wanking it to sand to sandpaper and destroying everybody's dreams. Because as far as I know, we have not heard one incident about somebody having somebody else stapled to their anus. I mean, mm-hmm. I figured out that that made that made some type of news somewhere at least. Definitely. <laughs> So, what would you give this movie out of five? Oh, um, I would give it maybe a three and a half out of five, just for the mm. simple fact. Just for the simple fact, there's not there's not a whole lot of story other than than it's just him putting together a centipede. You know, the first mm-hmm. one I felt had a bit of a more story, a, a good story to it, because here's this doctor that specialized in the attaching uh, uh conjoined twins and mm-hmm. that was that was his profession that's what he did he took things apart and his thing in that movie was i want to put things together i want to do the opposite i want to mm-hmm. join i want to join these people as opposed to taking them apart so that was his thing that that's what drove him to do what he did martin just took it over the top and was just like I want to do what he did, but I don't have the intelligence of him. So I'm just going to do it as crudely as possible and deter mm-hmm. any type of monster in real life that wants to do this. Because obviously I can't pull this shot off, which means you can't pull it off either. So um, I, I, I mean, I don't mean it in a mean way as a three and a half stars. because No, I, I don't think it's do, mean at all. It's much more generous than I, what I want to give it. <laughs> <laughs> well, obviously. But like, you know, when you take away the backstory and you see Martin's home life and i'm just i'm watching it right now he just murdered his mother with a crowbar so (laughs) you know there's a lot going on in old martin's life and a lot that has gone on uh ever since he was a child so there's there's a little bit of reason as to why he's doing what he's doing it's just weird that he decided to latch on to the human centipede film to do his atrocities when any nine times out of ten somebody that grows up like that ends up just becoming your run-of-the-mill serial killer you know what i'm saying not always but sometimes <laughs> not al- not always <laughs> but sometimes they do you know end up acting out on these you know weird i mean when you see uh, most serial killers and you dive back they use some usually some form of abuse in the childhood yeah yeah for sure yeah yeah so it kind of makes sense with martin that he's doing what he's doing it's just why why did he attach himself to the human centipede and not you know uh, uh silence of the lambs or any other type of movie why did he decide to you know, latch on to a mouth to anus movie. <laughs> what a way to end it. It's just um... <laughs> <laughs> uh, Sophie, what would you give it out of five? Um, I think I give it about a two. Mm-hmm. It's like it's not a terrible film. It's just not something I'm like voluntarily gonna be watching <laughs> on a regular basis. But you've got the Blu-ray, so yeah, because then you would have to do it on the podcast at some point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sure. <laughs> 
for me personally, it would probably be a one and a half or a two. Um, I just, I just don't think there's a lot of substance to the film. Um, without meaning to sound like a contrived A twenty four full of myself dickhead. Um, I just, I don't like movies like this. Um, I, I appreciate what Tom Six was doing, the satirical. Out, you know, I I get it. It it was it's a fun it was fun that he did that. It's fun, uh. But I think a lot of people would kind of just look at this as a a run of the mill horror movie, and I don't think they would they would take it any further to actually be like, what the fuck did I just watch? Much like a Serbian film, like a lot of people don't really understand like the purpose of that film either. Um, so it's kind of like it's it's fallen flat a little bit. Um, doesn't really people aren't going to take away much of any of it. Obviously, the dude from Bloody Disgusting when he stipulated that actually the re- you know it's a fantastic response to his critics me not knowing the whole like him like being like well you know that there's going to be copycat crimes is there or is there maybe kind of like appreciate a little bit more but just a little bit more um martin bless his heart just not for me uh so yeah <laughs> what one and a half for me um but wouldn't it be but, yeah. awesome to meet him at a horicon uh, absolutely i'd love oh. to meet him i'd love to meet him I, I think he's the most horrifying disgusting man and <laughs> to actually meet him in real life and him be so polite would just i uh, i don't even know what i would do i'd love it he's yeah he's he's it's it's funny because you just expect him to be this deplorable man and i love he's... i love that little comment you said about his little hands <laughs> <laughs> he has little hands but they're very yeah cute. you're like he's, little he's... hands all over me and it turns out he's like really nice <laughs> <laughs> he's gonna rub his nubby little fingers all over you <laughs> i don't think he would unless i mean if you asked him to he might i mean he's a very very nice man and he might do what his fans want him to do <laughs> But he was, so, he was a, yeah, he was a very nice man, very nice man. Yeah. So, Gilbert, did you want to plug yourself a little bit on our, on our recording I, here? I have nothing to plug of, of myself. Um, check out uh, Frankenstein Creative Bikers with Mr. Lawrence Harvey, directed by Mr. James Bickert and assisted directed by Jill Six, who is currently directing another movie on title, but she does have the stylist streaming on Shutter and numerous other streaming platforms. She's a good friend of mine and she's just an amazing person. Uh, Frankenstein Created Bikers is the sequel to Dear God No, made by a bunch of uh, friends that I made in an, uh, another story for another time, but they're all amazing people. Um, I got to work on Frankenstein Creative Bikers with Lawrence Harvey. I was the uh, personal assist, one of the PAs for that movie. And my wife uh, got to do makeup for that movie. And it was just a bunch of, of friends that are very, very talented. And we got to do something very awesome. And we just happened to have Mr. Lawrence. We also have uh, Tristan Risk. Uh, are you familiar with her? Mm. Not offhand. She was in American Mary, I believe. She oh, was. She was okay. the doc. She was the 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 not the doctor, but the one that was getting the jobs for the doctor with the weird voice. Oh, okay. Her. She's also in that movie with Mr. Lawrence Harvey. Oh, how cool! Right. It's a little weird, strange, tiny horror world we live in. Indeed. So, other than that, that's all I have to plug. <laughs> well thank you gilbert we really appreciate you coming on thank you for having me no worries 
Zayf, um, what have we got coming up next? Um, as far as I'm aware, Freaks is next from 1932. That's right. So next episode, we're going to be venturing further into the disturbing iceberg. We're going to be talking about Freaks. Uh, we're going to be joined by Sledge Amahora, I believe. Yeah. Really looking forward to that episode. He actually eagerly put himself forward for that. So do you know much about Freaks, David? Are you looking forward to it? I can't say that I've... Uh, heard of it but i might give it a shot and if you guys ever want to talk about smutty movies again i'm always available well gilbert i appreciate that but i was actually asking zayford if he uh <laughs> if he turned about it but never mind um you so you like freaks <laughs> i haven't watched it i haven't watched it okay no I've, I've only heard about it i've never seen it either have you got a copy zayford no no i'll just uh i'll sell the seventh season find it because i don't think it's streaming anywhere either He's Bye waiting for the steel. He's waiting for the steel box to come out. Interestingly if enough, I steel box have, that, I'll, I'll I definitely have, buy it. I do actually have a DVD of it that I will send to you. So, but yeah, we've got episode fifty-three with Sledge Hammer Horror. Uh, it's going to be fun. Freaks. Make sure you join us next week. And uh, thank you for being here, Gilbert. Thank you for having me. And uh, we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.